And if you're going to be the goat of quasi-legal carny shit, where do you go? Abu freaking Dhabi in the island of Yas. Also a fair point. All of that seems to be on brand for me. All those places you're talking about, the Caribbean and blah, blah, blah. No, far too legit, Dave. We need to go to Abu Dhabi. Is there some crime we can commit? Can we do money laundering while we're doing Fight Island? Yes, we can. You, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Correct. You go to a place where there are no laws. What happened? A man was murdered outside and thrown outside. Why? Abu Dhabi. Yeah, fair enough. So it seems to me like Abu Dhabi is the perfect place to have Fight Island. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll give it Come to you. Come on. And it's so close to your birthday, too, which is a nice gift for you as well. D- Dave, this whole thing is the comedic gift that literally keeps on giving and comes with fucking merch. <laughs> Holy shit, it comes with merch. I'm trying right now to restrain myself, Dave. Don't, don't. I'm... Screw screw Project 2020, Carlos. No, settle down. Settle down, Fuji. Okay, fair down. enough, fair enough. Okay, you brought me back. You brought me back to your alley. <laughs> You are listening to episode 57 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. The spiel, the spiel, two unqualified idiots. I'm Carlos, and with me as always is Dave. Perfect. I love it. Keep that now. It gets it gets increasingly streamlined as we go along, as we slowly, slowly reach our full power of the intro. I don't want to spend too much time on the intro, guys. We're going to talk about what happened to us this week, but then I have some fun, some glory, and in the anchor leg, it may be something that requires me to harness all of my voice power when the moment comes. You'll know it when you hear it. I think that's fair. I mean, really, when people are listening to this, all you really need is our little, you know, joke intro thing where you pull the clip and then the music. People know what's coming. Oh, and they will. Hopefully with some luck, we'll, uh, we may have a clip from that anchor. Like, we'll see what happens. I make no promises. You never know where the glory is going to come from. But before we get into all of that, I'll give you a quick rundown on everything except the anchor leg. I'm going to save that for when the moment comes. Dave knows what's coming, but let's ha- let's leave it a little bit of a surprise for the rest of you. We're going to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball and then MLBPA being idiots, and we'll talk a little bit about why they're being idiots, and also the potential downstream consequences of them being idiots. We'll talk a little bit about that. Project 2020, of course, has got to have its segment to begin after we chat a little bit about what happened to us this week. And then we'll have uh, Kyrie Irving causing some trouble. I got a little bit of a taste of that. Dave knows a little bit more about it, so he'll fill us in, and then uh, we'll chat about it and see what we think about later to that. And then, of course, our special anchor leg segment, which will be, uh, I think, wonderful. We'll see We'll see how it plays out, but I, I have high hopes. With all that said, Dave, how was this week? This week is pretty good. Uh, a couple things that I'll mention to you. One, I am reading Ferguson Jenkins' biography, and this is the second, or autobiography, I should say. And this is the second autobiography of a baseball player I've read, at least in recent history the other one being yogi berra and it really seemed first of all the ferguson jenkins one is much better it's written much better but both of them were basically stream of consciousness writing and it, okay and so this is it so this is an autobiography in the sense that ferguson jenkins is the one actually writing it. that is correct okay i just want to double check so very interesting like I've, I've learned a bunch about ferguson jenkins that i didn't know before and for those of you who don't know i'm a big ferguson jenkins fan obviously only canadian mlb hall of famer several autographs from him it's the only big jersey thing that I have framed. I have a Chicago Cubs frame with a well, – it's actually a T-shirt that he signed in it. I also have uh, some other stuff from him as well. So I'll put that out there. Uh, you know, some interesting things. I didn't realize that he'd been arrested at one point and charged with cocaine possession in Canada when he was coming on a trip to play the Blue Jays. So that was interesting. Uh, obviously, there was a big misunderstanding. Charges were dropped. He goes into it in detail in the book. And some other stuff about his personal life that I, I wasn't aware of either, which I found very interesting. And some, you know, some anecdotes about his playing career. The flow of the book is you can tell, same thing with the other one, that they're not professional writers. 
that it's just whatever's in their head, they're kind of putting it out there. The good thing about this one, though, is at least it's chunked. So it's stream of consciousness, but it's, you know, about his time as a Chicago Cub or a stream of consciousness. And it's about his time as a Boston Red Sox versus Yogi Berra, where, you know, one sentence you're talking about the New York Yankees. And then two sentences later, you, you know, you're talking about a road trip and a trip you took with your wife that had nothing to do with baseball. I, that could actually work for me, Dave, under the circumstances that if it was actual stream of consciousness, could you imagine? It's like, so then I was doing the podcast with Dave. And then as he started to drone on about home fixtures and, you know, how he wanted to paint the walls, I started to think to myself, you know, I could go for a ham sandwich. Mmm, ham. Fair enough. Fair enough, Carlos. That could be a great interlude in the middle of an autobiography. I greatly hope to write a chapter in which I discuss at length my thoughts on ham sandwiches. I, you know what? I think we can make that happen. I know we can make it happen. <laughs> it's called self-publishing. No one will want it. <laughs> How he would read it is another thing, of course, obviously. Yeah, it, but, yeah, exactly. You know, people All right. look forward to it. Carlos's autobiography, The Ham Sandwich. Well, I, I would hope the entire thing wasn't about a ham sandwich. You never know. Though. Once you go stream of consciousness, you, you never know where you're going to end up. No, I think The Ham Sandwich will be an interlude during one of the chapters, but it'll probably be around the time that, you know, this whole time I didn't realize there was a sign, uh, how I am the worst friend ever, uh, cupcake with a candle on. Like, Dave, I've got stories for days. This is true. Uh, this the ham sandwich is just a beautiful interlude in the middle of it, you know, to break up the, the glory that is chapter by chapter. Fair enough. Anything else about the book? The second, uh, no, nothing else about the book. Uh, I okay. just, I'm on the last chapter right now. I've enjoyed okay. it. Uh, and it's been a nice sort of interlude uh, from everything else and talking about baseball. Do you know what it's called? It is called Fergie, My Life from the Cubs to Cooperstown. Okay, cool. Sounds good. If you would like to borrow it at some point in the future, you are more than welcome to. I may. I don't mind. I like I like me some baseball books from time to time. Right now, I've got a big stack of stuff that I got to read through, and I've got to get better at taking time out of my schedule to read it. I've actually gotten to the point, and I'll talk more about it in a minute. I've gotten to the point where I'm, I've actually started to use my calendar to book time to do shit that I should be doing for myself anyway. Like that's where we're at. I, I, have to I mean, if you're going to get it done, however you get it done, right? Yeah, and I'll talk about more of that in a minute. But please continue. And the second thing I, I would like to mention because it's sort of it's sports ish, is I watched the Bruce Lee Thirty for Thirty. Uh, which is the most recent one that's been released called okay. Be Water. And, yes. That's an right. excellent film. An okay. excellent film. I really enjoyed it. It has no business being a 30 for 30 ESPN documentary. None whatsoever. Okay. How so? Because it's basically about his acting career. So it, it, it mentions, you know, that he was a teacher of martial arts and, you know, people were in a school like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, that's a, a significant portion of that. And it talks about, how he came to be in America, how he came to, he had basically two acting careers. I didn't know he was a child star in Hong Kong before he went back after trying to make it as an actor and was basically facing a lot of prejudice and some, and racism because he, you know, had a bit of an accent sure. and was Chinese. Yeah. And, and so he went back and started making the films and then he was getting more famous and he made Enter the Dragon, which is an awesome movie. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have. It's been years, but I definitely watched it at least once yeah. or twice. And, and then, and then he died. And sure. so, you know, he never got to sort of bring that back to America the way sort of, you know, like Jackie Chan did. Right. And well, in, fair, in fairness, Jackie Chan didn't really get into prominence until much later in his career. Oh, no, I no, I get that. But what I, the whole yeah. point is that he, you know, he had a big career in Asia before coming to America and then sort of having a second career base, if you will. Yeah. OK, fair enough. Sure. And yeah. Anyway, so he was sort of trying to do that. Very interesting film. Very interesting film about his family life. All that jazz, which is great. I just don't know why it's airing as a sports documentary on a sports, all sports channel. Okay, now, fair enough, but I will throw one thing at you, Dave. Of course. I would expect nothing less, Carlos. It is a 30 for 30. 
and and it was on TSN you watched it, right? I, that's correct. But 30 for 30 is an ESPN production, correct? Yes, that is correct. Now, here's the thing, though. And this is important because I was reading a book on ESPN's history a little while ago. And it's from time to time, I, it's good. And the thing is, I'm about halfway through it. And I got to, this is one of the things that I got to get to reading. Is it that gigantic one? Yeah, it is. Uh, these guys have all the fun. It's a good it book. It is. It is. But it's, it's one of those things where it was easier when I was commuting. Because while I was commuting on the train, I would sit there and read the book. And when, when I'm at home, I'm like doing stuff. And then suddenly I, I'm like, wait, I should sit down and finish my reading. Yeah, you, you didn't know, have to book the time because it was right there. Correct. Anyway, so I was reading it. But here's the thing, though. You, and we have something we have to remember. And this is a good and valid point for other things as well. What does the E in ESPN stand for? Uh, entertainment? Yeah. The thing is, ESPN was never envisioned as, if it was just sports, it would have just been, they would have called it the sports network because they were prior to TSN. This is true. Yeah. So it's kind of entertainment sports network, question mark. Like they, the, the amount of like Hollywood they can interject into it is subjective. So yeah, I agree with you. It's borderline. But at the same time, I guess they thought, you know, people will probably watch a Bruce Lee 30 for 30. So they probably thought, okay, well, we can emphasize the movie career because most people know him for that. Yeah, and you know what? It is well worth the watch. It's a very good film, and it has a lot of him speak, like Bruce Lee speaking, and some of his writing in it. So from that perspective, obviously, if you if you're a fan of Bruce Lee, or if you're kind of you know maybe you've seen some stuff, and and you liked what you've seen, or you just like kung fu movies, there's a lot in there to get you in to to want to watch. Sure, I suspect though they probably leaned on the E as kind of their out to allow it. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm also, yeah. I mean, we don't, I know we don't really do what we're looking forward to now because there isn't. It's usually for timing. If you're looking forward to something that's more than a couple of days or a week away, you, you're more than welcome to. That's fair. Uh, but, you know, they keep bright. I don't know how long it's going to last, but they're doing one every week, every Sunday for the, for at least for the last little bit. You know, they did the last dance and then they did the Lance Armstrong one. Then they did this. They're doing one on Bonds. I'm uh, sorry, not Bonds. Uh, Sosa and McGuire. McGuire. Home Yep. So yeah, I've P- I've set that one for the PBR. Yeah, so I'm enjoying those and watching those. Uh, yep. So I'll keep that as sort of that was my week. All right, fair enough. For the most part, my week was filled with a lot of work. Did you get your phone? I did. I did. So yeah, let me talk about that a little bit. The the trek to get the phone was actually all right. The the eBay seller actually did a good job, so I had no issue with that. But I I wanted to use the phone for a couple of days uh, before I leave everything feedback to make sure everything was working great. So what I got was the um, what I ended up getting was the uh, iPhone XS or 10s if you prefer. Not the newest, newest model, but a pretty pretty recent model. The thing's pretty good. I've been actually very impressed. Battery life's been pretty good. Face unlock ID is really handy. I haven't been in the uh, Apple ecosystem for a phone in a really long time. I was th- I was thinking back on it. The last Apple cell phone that uh, that I used on a consistent basis was all the way back in the 4S era. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's been a while. Part of the reason for that was because I was getting annoyed um, that Apple wasn't doing a good job upgrading the screen real estate. And I, because I was looking at some of the Android alternatives and they were doing a much better job. Like you've got this box and you've got this space for this screen and we've got a smartphone when I'm consuming media or when I'm looking at this or looking at that, it's like, give me some screen real estate. Give me an HD screen. Now, by the time we get to the current era, like the 10s, this one uh, has an HD screen, good pixel density. I'm not going to get too technical on you, but the point is it's good. crisp picture. Is it as good as some of the Samsung's? No, but is it pretty good? Yes. It takes pictures very well. I was very impressed with that. That's part of the reason why I was like, okay, I want, kind of want to play with this. In addition to the fact I like technology and stuff. And I thought, all right, I'll have this phone here and get all my stuff together for it. And I've kind of transferred over. And one other thing I will say that Apple does well, that I'll have to give them the props for, is that when you do get a new device, uh, because I have a iPad tablet, uh, when it came time to do the new device, I had the option to be able to scan the tablet, do a little scan thing. 
And by doing that, I was able to just basically download a lot of my settings and things directly onto the phone. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that's one of the features they've done the last couple of years that I like because it's like rather than have to go like, all right, what apps do I need? What, you know, what settings do I require and blah, blah, blah. And then do every individual thing. You can actually transfer over a bunch of the stuff and save a little bit of effort and time. Oh, that's good. So it's been fun to play around with a little bit. It's been my, my new little toy for a little while. The novelty will usually wear off pretty quick, but I've been having some fun. But one thing I do need to do that um, I don't uh, miss from having this, uh, the iPhones before is that in order to set up your ringtone, you either got to buy it, which is not going to happen, or I got to jump through some hoops to create my own. It's got to be 30 seconds. There's a whole bunch of things. You can look it up online, but it, it's a pain in the ass is what it is if you don't want to pay for one. That's, that's, Apple wants you to pay for one, but I refuse. Yeah, man. Screw the man. Yeah. But anyway, the I will say, uh, overall, I was able to. It is the, it is a disgrace that I had to go through uh, that I had to go through hoops where Fido couldn't do something as simple as keep track of their inventory and tell me that they didn't have it in advance. I will say, though, that um, the entire plan systems right now with a lot of these, these are stupidly expensive, these things. Like this phone, even though it's like a year and a half old, could, would still run you like a thousand dollars to get it from one of the services yeah no it's absolutely ridiculous for i mean for a phone i mean yeah you know you're paying it's like actually it's more like 1400 let me correct myself it's more like 1400 dollars even now because basically other than the function of being able to make phone calls right it's a glorified ipad touch or ipod it is, touch yeah. sorry it is i would say with the, with cellular service of course yeah right i mean that's, that's the one thing right that it that the other ones don't have to have that much more in terms of price is a little bit ridiculous, I feel. Well, it's it's the moneymaker for Apple. Like these days, more than anything else, really, they make they make bank on these phones. They just sell so many of these. That's why I don't mind buying a generation older. But in the end, in order to get it all done, I basically bought this, uh, you know, quote unquote, secondhand uh, from, a, from a dealer in, in Canada to make sure I kept it local and also to make sure that I was able to kind of track everything and get tracking on it. But in all told, it ended up being about uh, $890. Yikes. Yeah, it's not a it's not an insignificant chunk of change. So that's why it's one of those things where when I got it, I wanted to make sure I had a model that I'm comfortable using for the next couple of years. And uh, I think I think this one will do serve the purpose quite well. But it's not it's not an inexpensive investment. Right. And, and the thing is, if somebody is listening though and they get sticker shock, just bear in mind if you had gone through the plan, which was the original idea to do it through Fido, it would have been uh, thirty three dollars a month for twenty four months. You can add that up. Now, if you guys got into the new version, like when I say new, I mean not like a pre-owned model because Fido offered some pre-owned models. That's what I originally tried to order so that I wouldn't have to put any money down. Right. Fido would have given me one of these had they had it in stock, but they would have given me for $33 a month plus $200 down. Right. Add that up over 24 months. What you're going to find is that it's probably – that it's actually more than even what I paid. Okay, well. To just buy it outright from a, from a dealer online. Oh, there you go. So what they do is it's like, oh, well, you're only paying it a monthly installments. Yeah, but in the end, you're actually paying more. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like really, it's it's what about how much money is coming out of your pocket at the end of the day, right? Yeah, it's like you eat it now or you eat it later. Your choice. Either way. So I was just like, all right, screw it. And at the end of the day, I was like, I can bite the bullet. That's fine. Uh, and I intend to use this phone for a while and I'll report back later at some time down the road. But I'm going to have some fun with it for now. Yeah. So that's one thing. The other thing that kind of was interesting that, uh, that was going on was um, I was trying to rethink a lot of the things that I do during the week because I was like, okay, while I'm busy means my time is even trickier to figure out because I've got stuff to do, but I don't have as much time to do it. And the temptation, like for me, like everybody else, is just to consume a lot of content, uh, podcasts, you know, YouTube videos, all that. Right. And then I was finding that I was consuming, I was working. I was ha this week in particular, I was having to work long hours, but then when I was done, I was super tired. And then the, the, the thing would be, I wouldn't make time to work out or I wouldn't make time to read a book 
or do something that you know might be a little more productive. And and I was like, okay, you know what? It's gotten so bad. I literally now go onto the new phone and I go into the calendar app and I specifically put in a time to work out after I'm done work. I literally put an hour in there where I'm like, all right, you give me a reminder. You basically remind me to get my butt upstairs and get on the treadmill or get on the bike and do something. Yeah. And that, that function on the phone is quite nice actually. Yeah. But the point is, it's like, I need to give myself a reminder. And the other thing I'm probably gonna have to do put in here is give myself a reminder to go like, all right, for this hour, you're going to sit your ass down somewhere and read a freaking book. Well, especially if you want to get that ESPN book done. Yeah. Well, if I want to get any book done, the thing is I can read pretty fast. That's not the, that's not the problem. The problem is that uh, consistently sitting down and just doing it and doing it for an hour. I may uh, end up uh, downloading one of those apps that like uh, does like a timer for you. Right. And like, if you set a task, you can be like, have a, ta- a countdown time so that you can focus on the task and it'll let you know when you're done. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe, uh, maybe in my future, basically I'm thinking about stuff like that because I'm like, you know what? I still want to get some stuff done. I know I'm at home. I know I'm, I'm here almost all the time, but that doesn't mean the shit doesn't need to get done. I got to find a way to make sure that I do it and don't succumb to the temptation of the internet. There's so much that you can do. And, uh, I, I kind of still want to get my stuff done. Well, of course. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to be able to do what you want to do, but sometimes it's nice to have that scheduling so that you're not getting caught up in random shit. If you will. I also find it that in the greatest of all ironies as lazy as I am a human being. If I have a thing where I have to schedule something out and I know I have an hour to do it, I tend to finish a lot of shit much faster than that hour or two hours or whatever it is. But usually I'm a lot more effective within that hour because I know it's like, all right, I don't even want to do this for the whole hour. I'm going to get this shit done. Right. So even that, that could potentially simply get more done. That could be the big outcome of all of this is just like, okay, well, by doing this, I didn't use the whole hour, but I got the thing I wanted to get done completed. Right. And that's, and that's the most important part. So that was kind of the key for that. Awesome. Anything else? Now, last thing, which ironically is related to content, even though what I just said, is one thing that I've kind of enjoyed. And I'll talk a little bit more about it during the Major League Baseball discussion, which will be kind of the first topic, uh, the second topic, really, to get us started on this one, is that our good friends at TSN are putting on the KBO games. I think I mentioned that last week or the week before. Ah, uh, yes, you did. So what I've done is I recorded a couple of the games. One of the other things I got to do in the same vein. So first is get my shit done. But then the other thing is I got to sit down on the. I got to get used to the concept of sitting down on the couch and actually watching a sport, because <laughs> I find, I actually find in the in the greatest of all first world problems I find it very difficult to feel like I can sit down in the couch for a couple of hours and watch a thing, even though with a PVR, I can fast forward to commercials and all that. I'm actually finding the attention span to be able to sit there in front of the screen and not just stare at my phone and do a bunch of other things. It's been very difficult. Well, you're not used to it, right? Or is anyone really? Yeah. And the other thing is I know it's recorded. So it's like in my head, I'm like, well, I can just rewind or whatever. But so it's like, no, I want to sit there and just watch it. And I will say that uh, the KB, what I've watched though, I've, I've watched the majority of a game at this point and I got a couple on the PVR, but I want to get through it so I can watch a couple more. Watching the KBO has been fun, I will say. And the baseball is pretty decent, I will say as well. And I like the whole thing that they did like cardboard cutouts in the place of fans. Nice. Which is kind of an interesting take on it. And well, I, think it's, I think it's better than CGI fans personally. I don't know, Dave. CGI fans, pretty fancy. I would like CGI fans if they were like so blatantly cartoony. That would be just hilarious. Could you imagine if Disney sponsored it and all of a sudden you got like uh, Mickey Mouse in the background going, go guys, good job. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. It would be. It would be. Just do it. Like like you guys have anything better to do. Just superimpose Goofy back there, like, you know, chanting, trying to start the wave. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? It'd be kind of funny. So it was kind of fun. I will go. The, the one I'm more excited about, though, the Aussie rules. 
So I want to watch this KBO game so I can get to my Aussie Rules football game. It's like it's in the same vein. Like I'm committed to finishing this game because then I can watch my goddamn Aussie Rules game because I'm in, homie. Aussie Rules is back. This is fair. I know how much I do appreciate your love of Aussie Rules football. I'm legitimately enjoying this. I may get the streaming package again. Yeah. Hey, man. I'm. I gotta for see that. though. I mean, I'm sorry. I should say I'm for you doing that. Hey, listen. I have to see, like, I still need to see because at the same time, they're in the same vein as everybody else. You don't know if they're going to be, I may not be able to commit to the season. I may have to do like on a month to month basis and be like, let's just see if you guys are able to get through a month or two. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, you know, I don't want to commit to like a whole season and then, you know, you have to shut it down again. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there, you know, for, with no content. Yeah. Because I think to my recollection, I don't believe that Major League Baseball has charged me for MLB.TV this year. But I'm not. I have to double check. I don't believe I received that charge. Yeah, so, I don't think I got and, the got the charge for the radio app either. Yeah, so. and, and as long as that ha- and as long as that's the case, I'm good because it's like, well, fine. As long as you're not trying to charge me for a season you haven't had. Like I said, we'll talk more about Major League Baseball in a minute. But anyway, the point is, uh, it's been fun to have some stuff. Even though I'm watching it, like it's five thirty in the morning, I'm not getting up for that. But even though. Um, even though I'm not up to watch it live, it's kind of fun that there is some live sporting event that you can record and then watch back and then skip through the commercials. I will say one other thing though, about the KBO, um, they did throw in there, like obviously it's in the middle of the night. So the, the announcers are in a completely different place in a completely different time zone. They're not in Korea, but, um, because the English announcers that the ESPN has, but the thing is like, they brought in like this comedian for this game I was watching and it was killing me. Like he was so unfunny. (laughs) And I think he was punch drunk from like being up in the middle of the morning. Like in the early, early wee hours of the morning, I'm like, why are you bringing a comedian? Just, just call the play by play. Yeah, I mean, people are used to baseball being baseball. Not that many people are probably watching it live, so just call it like it's a regular baseball game. That was what made me laugh. I was like, why do you need a gimmick for a game being played at five thirty in the morning Eastern time? I don't. Not many people are be like, hey, you know what I'm going to do this morning? Get up early to watch KBO, PVRing. Yeah, but getting up at five thirty in the morning if you don't have to. Why? Pretty much. It's like, look, if they if it was on at 7.30, I w- I'm up already anyway, and I'm kind of doing my morning routine. I'm eating my breakfast is what I'm doing. And I still got an hour before I get started for my work for the day. I would sit down for, for an hour and watch part of the game and then hit the, and then hit the record button for the rest and come back. Yeah. Like, I totally do that. That's no problem. 5.30, though? No, hell no. I don't sleep enough as it is. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. But anyway, so I was having some fun with that. So it's a couple of, you know, a couple of things going on right now. It's a lot of it is just trying to take advantage. The last couple of days have been a little cooler, which has been nice, but it's still sunny. looks nice out there. Uh, but we are starting to get into the warm part of the season. Now we're starting to get a little bit of the humidity stuff. So I'm taking advantage of it. This weekend has actually been a nice little respite to give us a breather and give us some rest. Well, that is good. I think that's been, uh, that's been kind of nice. So really that's kind of been it for me this week. So with all that said, uh, let's talk about Project 2020. I'll give you a little bit of an update on what's been going on this past week. I do look forward to this every week. Although I have started looking at the cards myself now. Dude, I'm telling you. But before we're done, you're buying some damn cards. I don't care what you say. Uh, give us a long money. way to go right so it's quite possible. yeah that's what i'm saying i did debate hard about the jackie robinson uh the current one yes well like i said you do realize like i'll remind you just so we're on the record if you do see one that you particularly like hit, give me a heads up while it's in play while it's online and we can always go halvesies on the shipping because that saves shipping all right sounds good yeah, because if it's one that's interesting anyway, I could grab one, you could grab one, and then we just split the shipping. That way it's five bucks a piece. Right. Cheaper. All right. I'll keep that in mind. So anyway, Project 2020 kind of chugs along. Uh, I will say this week was a little bit quieter for me because I didn't think – obviously, I was a little busier, so I wasn't able to track it as closely. But I was keeping an eye on what it was, and I have the social media for tops and everything, and they show the different cards as they're coming up. I will say 
as far as being now from the economics nerd perspective of it that I've been enjoying uh, as part of watching it, I'm really I'm perplexed. I'm perplexed and I'm vexed. So there's two words for you, Dave. I'm perplexed and I'm vexed about what's been going on with this past week because the print runs are all over the place. And why that's weird is that, okay, so now you don't know how reliable are these print runs as an indicator of actual desirability, as an, as an indicator of um, demand for what's actually going on here, because their spike, they've been going down steadily, which made sense as a lot of the early adopters who were making money hand over fist were suddenly, uh, you know, finding their profits were dwindling, you know, sales of eBay, completed eBay sales, the, the heady days of the uh, Ermsy Mike Trout hitting $2,500 have uh, have faded into the distance, and now I th I think some of the more recent ones are, are settling in like a thousand, which is still a lot of money. Let's be clear, it is still a lot of money. However, if if I if you, if I gave you any investment, Dave, and it it, suddenly, it was selling for two and a half times as much a couple of weeks ago, would that not concern you? Of course it would. Of course it would. Yeah. So it's like a lot of sellers are kind of catching a falling knife. And one of the points that I made to Dave, just from an economics perspective and just a general interest perspective for me as an observer of a lot of this, even though, as I said, I've bought a couple of cards here and there. And one of the things that is, has to be kind of bearing in mind is that even the cards that I bought right now, I think tops, uh, the project is up to like card number 119, 120 thereabouts uh, for the current cards, or it's in the one teens. Well, either way, we're well over hundred. The first cards that I bought were like 95 and 96 and Every day, there's two more cards and two more cards and two more cards. But the thing is, and this is going to go well into the end of the year, into December, uh, for, for a 400-card set. But the thing is, the King Griffey Jr. by Keith Shore, the one we referenced a couple weeks ago when we initially were talking about this, we're not even close. Tops is backed up so far that they've had to go into reserves because what they do is when you get the card, you get it inside of this little magnetic holder that they put a sticker over, the Tops Project 2020 sticker on it, right? Okay. So they've run out of these holders to the point that they've had to go to like secondary markets to get diff so if you had bought early on in this project you would have gotten an ultra pro magnetic holder okay all right now this isn't like a super expensive uh, you know card holder or anything but it's it's not like this top of the line crazy thing it's like two or three bucks if you buy them it's not that crazy but all if right. you're tops you can buy it in bulk and get a good yeah. you know, discount on that but they've run out of them so they've had to go to the secondary market. So then they started to go use BCW which is another manufacturer who makes these plastic holders as well well, BCW's quality is pretty close to the, you know, pretty close to what Ultra Pro does. So you didn't really notice that much of a change or drop off. Then you started running out of those. And there are reports out there that some of the cars have gone into what are called snap tight holders, which means no magnetic in it. It's, it's actually an even cheaper holder. And like, it's like the quality of the holder has been going down, <laughs> but you're paying the same price. Then they, yeah, I'm saying if that's going to happen, you should be getting the card for cheaper. Yeah, it, but it's it, it's tough to argue because it's like, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, it's like, well, the card itself is the value, not the, not the $2 holder. But And one other thing that like people notice is that they would come inside of these little black uh, boxes. They, they would say like Project 2020 on it that came as part of your thing with like um, in like a, in like bubble wrap. Right. Well, what started to happen is like tops ran out of bubble wrap. So they would ship it to you without the bubble wrap, but like put it into a packaging so it wouldn't get hurt or damaged or whatever. And then sometimes uh, tops sometimes would forget to include the box because they're shipping out so many that they're having trouble. They're basically having trouble with their supply lines, Dave, is what I'm trying to get at. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where even though some of the cards are struggling in price, uh, there are some enterprising sellers who have been able to sell the boxes that they come in for like 10 or 15 bucks a piece. The box. Wow. That's, hey, not bad. Everybody's looking for a way to make a buck, Carlos. And I have no moral opposition to this, but I, I'm just saying, like, this is the, the weirdness. That's why I say the reason I like Project 2020 
is that it brings a bunch of like what is this weird shit and at the same time it's it's like this whole little micro uh, microcosm of this economy that's just operating with its own weird set of rules which like, is why genuinely... honestly everything you're saying is just proving that it's perfect for the year 2020 based on everything else. Yeah. It's like every time you think you figured out what's going on, how this is going to work, what's going to happen. Then it's like, Oh, by the way, everything you thought you were wrong. And it's like, but, but I thought these things based on sound business principles. Well, that doesn't apply. I thought this based on economic theory. That also doesn't apply. I thought this based on basic supply and demand. No. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Yeah. So I won't go into like individual cards or anything this time around, but um, you, you you had a favorite, Dave, I think you were talking about, uh, the Jackie Robinson? Yeah. So I think that's the current one, I will say. So let me just go on to my own top site here. Like I said, we're not going to talk about each individual card, but um, so this is the current one right now by F. Dot, artist EF. Dot, correct? Yes. So I will say, um, I will probably put the link in this one for everybody. I won't spend too much time on it, but it does have a lot of going, things going on with it. It has a black border, which I think is pretty cool. Well, this one has 16 hours left, Dave. I know. I know, but I don't know. 20 bucks, Turbo. But I, I do like everything that's going on it. Like it is very it is very busy, but it is but it is meaningful. There's a lot of actual meaning to uh, the image. So it's a Jackie Robinson. It's based off of a, a Jackie Robinson 1952 Tops card. That's is one of the more iconic cards of Jackie Robinson in the era. I think it is also his, it is his first Tops card as well. Yes, because 51 he wasn't in it. Uh, so it's got his iconic image, but it does have some symbols that are pertinent to the current day. Of Black Lives Matter, I'm just going to say. So there, there is some symbolism to it, and it's got a blackboarded card on it, uh, a lot of designs and a lot of slogans that were associated with Jackie Robinson. It does have a little image of Beckett's, uh, Ebbets Field. It's got that. And um, I don't know if you noticed the uh, the C and the K in Jackie. Yeah, Kansas City um, Monarchs. Correct, exactly. So that it's it's a statement of that one. Yeah, and so it also, the- I don't know if you, if you noticed, it also has... Uh, a couple of symbols on his uniform, which aren't part of the uniform. Yeah, you're referring to like uh, the little uh, U.S. thing. Yeah, and, referring uh, to his like service in the army and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and the patch on the shoulder, I can't really see it very well. I'm trying to zoom in a little bit. Can I can't as the... either, but I'm thinking it looks kind of like a panther. Or I'm wondering if it has something to do with with UCLA or something. I'm not. Or it could be. Or it could maybe because if we're going with the U.S. military motif, maybe his division or his group had um had a patch. Yeah, I'm not sure. That I don't know yeah. offhand, but but fair enough. But the point is, there's a lot here. Like if you look at it for long enough, you will see different things on there. So it is. It's not super busy. It's not too crazy. But there's definitely stuff going on. And oh, the more I look at this card, the more I'm like, yes. Sixteen hours, Dave. Yeah, you know what, Carlos? I think I may have to bite the bullet on this one. All right, send me, send me, send, ping me a message, and I'll order it, and uh, All right. we'll talk. Sounds good. So anyway, so now you know. There you go. F dot. I've sold another one of your cards for you. Enjoy. Um, regardless, and I'll pick up one as well. Like I said, it is interesting. I will say. Now, overall, I will say, as far as the project is concerned, one of the big things that I've noticed has been kind of weird. Another card that kind of stands out, and like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time analyzing the individual card. Another one that is kind of interesting is that, um, you know, controversial artist will say Ben Baller released a Cal Ripken card in his kind of signature style. It definitely has some stylings that, again, a lot of these artists are making these cards now on the fly as time is going on. They're, they haven't all been submitted to top, so that's something important to consider for everybody. So it means they can receive feedback, and they ex- and some of them accept feedback and kind of work with their audience interactively to say, hey, what kind of elements would you like to see on it? So they're actually tailoring the art as the project is going on, so even their own stuff is actually changing and, and, um, and morphing and evolving as we go along. 
Now, can you can you confirm or deny something to me? Sure. Does, does have they picked every single card that's going to be in the set already, and which artist is going to do said card? Or no? Every single... So there are 20 cards that are being done. That's been determined already since day one. And all 20 artists are going to take their take on every single card. Okay, I got you. So it's going to be a 400-card set when it's all said and done because each artist is going to get 20 cracks at... Sorry, one crack at each individual card and there are 20 cards that they're going to do. So for the most important question is coming now. How many Fuchis have been out and how many do we have left then? We actually have... We actually have a fair number of Fuchis left. We actually do. Up until this point, I can tell you. Let me go in here. I can actually answer that question. So the short answer is, if I go into the archive, so this week there was no Fuji, by the way, everybody. So this is part of the reason why, you know, we're we're a little downtrodden on it. You know, the Jackie Robbins is nice, but you know, the lack of Fuji this week I found disturbing personally. Not not a big, not a big fan of that. So okay, so for Fuji, we got the Frank Thomas that we've talked about already in the past, Sandy Koufax, Mike Trout, so the three, Cal Ripken, that's four. So there have been four Fuchis, which means there are sixteen Fuchis to go. One right. six. Perfect. So we know we're going to get, we have at least 16 more Fuchis to talk about. Correct. Which I'm looking forward to. That we do. If that nothing else, that will carry on the podcast. Oh, psh, listen, Fuji's got us, man. We're good for months. <laughs> psh, all of you sports can cancel. Well, except for Aussie rules. I want that. Outside of that, all the rest of you canceled. You know what? I can't really argue with that. It's all I'm saying. Listen, if it makes you feel all better and you really need something. Look, did you know that the Rogue Invitational is happening in CrossFit? <laughs> you want to talk about that? <laughs> No, no, I don't. I'm, I'm, you know what? It basically it's. Do you want to talk about this or Fuji? The answer is pretty much going to be Fuji. Well, there's almost nothing in sports that we could that we that you could that I would pick over Fuji, Dave. That that's that's not a good example. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, that'll be it for this week. Like I said, it's been interesting. Oh, sorry, I almost forgot what I was making the point I was making for Ben Baller. I got distracted. Sorry. Uh, the thing that made it interesting was that okay, so these. Uh, print runs have been dropping, 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 which has been, you know, understandable. Some of these speculators have been driven away and frightened by the dropping prices. But uh, then all of a sudden, Ben Baller comes out and sells 36,000 of his Cal Ripken. Now, Cal Ripken has not been the most popular player in the series, even though he's a popular player, certainly. Not the most popular, but a popular player. And that 36,000 is like high for what's going on right now. So that's that's why it's like, so is Ben Baller buying his own cards like en masse? It's just a question I put out there because artists are allowed to buy their own cards. Like there's nothing stopping them. They do get a discount from tops. If they ask, if they ask to invoke it, because they say, because a lot of them are buying cards for the purpose of having for themselves and for the purposes of being able to like autograph for fans and stuff like that, which is a perfectly legitimate reason. Like you're the one who made the art. So go ahead. Right. Tops just produce the card and send it to you. You need to send me a link where I can get you an autograph Fuji for your birthday. Oh, probably his website if he was going to do it through that a lot of them do it through their own website because once you once they have it like they can uh they can do whatever they want and actually i'll tell you one more thing here real quick about this one of the, my favorite has been uh, blake jameson he's been a very big evangelist for this project obviously you know he has a stake in it the more the better the stuff sells you know the better all the artists do certainly including himself and he's been uh on youtube doing live broadcasts through weeks now and he interviews other artists and does like live Q and A's and stuff. So he's been really active in kind of uh, harnessing a community around the cards, around the project, and everything. He's trying to keep the momentum going and keep people interested. So props to him for that. But one thing that made me laugh and made me legitimately chuckle is that he went on to um, a YouTube channel called Sports Card Investor, which, based on the name, you should be able to figure out what his niche is. Yeah, for sure. There are a lot of jokes that I could make about that, but I'm going to leave it at that. But he went on there to kind of um, talk about and talk up the project and all that and the investment potential of the project. 
But one of my favorite things about it was that he, his argument was like, well, you can buy the cards for $20. It's like, well, I can tell you, it's like, what, whatever happens in the secondary market, there should be value because it's art. And like for $20, you can have a piece of my art. There is no other piece of my art that you can have for $20, which is factually correct. Like even if you go onto his website to order a print or something, you cannot get that for $20. He is Fair 100% enough. correct. However, I can get a print from him that's 20 by 30 for like $220. Okay. So if I wanted a piece of his art, if that's the argument, is that I want a piece of his art, why wouldn't I just buy the 20 by 30 print? That's fair. It's automatically frameable. Yeah, I mean, it depends how much you want his artwork, obviously, but yeah. No, I get you. But the argument is that, oh, you should buy, you, people would buy his cards to get his art that way and then maybe put it in a frame. He was picture, he was drawing up this whole scenario. And I go, well, if you're making 20 cards and I buy 20 cards at $20, that's $400. Or I could pay 220 and buy directly from your website, patronize you directly, and I get a frame, an immediately frameable piece of art directly from the artist yeah so it's you know how much do you want the baseball part yeah of it? it's like that's what i'm saying like i understood his point but I'm, if i'm a fan of his art but i'm not necessarily a fan of baseball or a fan of sports you're per definitely se, gonna go find something cheaper yeah and another one of the artists who's i whose stuff i think is pretty good andrew thiel you can buy his prints for 150 dollars directly from his website yeah and uh his in his prints the ones that are 150 or 200 dollars, some of them are 200 are numbered to 25. Right. So I get a limited art piece from the... So if I'm in it for the art, Dave, I feel like that's a more economic way of going about it. Yeah, I think you're right. So I'm just... I'm not saying Blake Jameson's wrong. I'm just like, okay, dude, I know you're trying to sell the product, but I think you're going to have to make a better argument than that one. That's fair. I agree with that. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. I, I, I think the overarching point that you can all see is that I've been paying attention. I've been watching. I've been listening. And when I find an argument that I find interesting, then I'm like, I don't know about that one. So that and stuff like that, I kind of keep it in the back of my mind. Anyway, so that's it for uh, the update for Project 2020 this week. We'll, we'll talk about it more later because, as I said, it is evolving and it is legitimately interesting to me. Plus, we need some more Fuchi, Dave. This week, got to have some Fuchi. Yes, I agree, man. Like, uh, this is unacceptable. We cannot be Fuchi-less this long. Okay, so now let's have a little bit of chat about Major League Baseball and the MLBPA being stupid. So I've got I've got a lot of thoughts on this specifically, but um, do you want to take first crack at this, and then I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of you? Well, okay. So I have a question before I get into any of because I just want to make sure I'm I'm clear on a point. Go ahead. A while back, I don't know how often a while it was, like a month, two months, whatever. Did they not agree the MLB and the owners to say, okay, we're going to pay you a prorated salary? Yeah, there was already an understanding back at the beginning when it became clear there was going to be a pandemic and it was going to stop the the start of the season. It was clear that there was, I don't know if it was like a written, set in stone, like piece of contract, but it was in, it was an agreement, I believe. I don't have all the details in front of me, but it was an agreement kind of to yes to that. But also I think the owners like forwarded like $170 million in like front salary to the players. And then they were going to figure out the details as it became clear what the situation was because it was evolving, of course. Okay. So I don't see how hard it can be. I mean, realistically, if you say agree on the number of games you're going to play, right? Like if you want to play, you agree that you both want to have the season, which I'm somewhat thinking maybe the owners don't really want to have a season. I don't know. I have some thoughts on that. Please continue. But okay. Say, say, okay, we're going to have a 79 game season or 75, 49, 50, hundred. I don't care what the number is. Pick a number and then say, okay, we're going to pay you a prorated salary based on those number of games. And then you were obviously you're going to work out the safety details where you're going to play, how testing is going to work, all that jazz. But in terms of the money issue, here's how many games we're going to play. So we're going to pay you instead of paying you a full 162, we're going to pay you what you would have been. You get paid on per game basis. 
for 100 games. Boom, done. I don't see how why that should be so difficult. But somehow it seems to be since they continue to go back and forth. Now they're trading insults back and forth, you know, making accusations. And, you know, it seems every couple of days there's another proposal that goes back and forth. But now it really seems that they're making counter proposals that they fully know are going to get rejected just to like troll the other side. The latest thing that that rejected was or has been claimed that the union's latest proposal, sorry, the union rejected the league's latest proposal, which was 72 games with 80% prorated salaries for players. That's the latest. It's been rejected. Who knows what the next one is going to be? But I'm starting to think that, yeah, the owner, maybe the owners don't want to play. And I'm, not, I'm also starting to consider, I don't know how much the players really want to play. Here's where I think this ends, Carlos. There is no baseball this season, and there's some kind of lockout or strike involving the next CBA. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Very possible. Now, let me throw a couple of things at you. First one, let's make sure we're all talking the same thing. Let's make sure we get all our terminology. You read out one of the proposals. Totally true. Totally correct. What do you know about what prorated means in the context that we're talking about? Well, in, I mean, is a general thing for prorated? I know. Yeah. What if I means. say to you that I'm going to pay you something prorated. So let's say you are a baseball player. There's 162 games. What would prorated mean? For a 162 game season? Yeah, that's your starting point. That is considered to be 100%. What, I don't, I don't know what say, prorated means for 162 because if you played okay. 162, you'd, you'd get your full salary. Yes, but let me, let me, so let me, let me kind of make sure we, we're all on the same page here. All right. So this is why I like the back and forth and the whole grandstanding and the media and all that. The thing is, the owners are arguing that they can't make enough money without people in the stands. Number one, that means your business model is broken and it means you probably should stop being owners or completely restructure your business because you got a problem. And I've got some more thoughts about the business part of baseball, but that's let's set, that's another conversation we can have another day. We've got time. Between between discussions of Fuji, we can talk about more of the business of baseball. We'll get to that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Long story short, a prorated salary is already a discount. Why? Because to the point I was making, 162 games is the full season. If my contract is 35 million, let's say I'm Mike Trout, then 162 games is 35 million dollars. Now, in a normal situation where the full season is being played and I'm Mike Trout again and I, as always, get hurt and I lose 30 games, I still get paid $35 million because I'm Mike Trout. Correct. Uh, but then I win an MVP that I don't deserve. But Okay, man, is, enough with the slagging Mike Trout. Let's get to the point. Never, Dave. I can do both. Anyway, the point is if we only play 80, 81 games, that's exactly half the season. So instead of 35, I get 17 and a half. That's what prorated means. Yes. Instead of 35, it means – you take the salary divided by 162 right. games full season and add it up. Correct. But the owners are proposing 80. They're saying, okay, so that, and then let's knock 20% off of that. Right. So like discount on top of discount. Yeah. No, which I think personally from a player standpoint, I think prorated salary is fine based on the number of games you decide to play. That's what I think. Prorated should salary is legitimate. Personally. You've only gone to work for X amount of days. Therefore you should get paid X, which is normal. If, if you were working an hourly rate job right now and normally you work 40 hours a week and you get paid X, but we've only got 20 hours for you, you get paid half. Yeah. I, I don't have an issue with that. That's, that's normal. That's not, nothing is weird about that. But then if your same business says, well, yeah, we only got 20 hours for you, but we're going to pay you the equivalent of 15 for the same 20 hours, but you got to come to work for 20, but we'll pay you the equivalent of 15. They're like, why on earth would I give you another five hours of labor when you're not paying for it? Yeah. That's kind of dumb. I agree. So but and that's it what also the owners want. To, correct. And the reason why they want it is because they're trying to lay the groundwork for the CBA because now they can use the pandemic as kind of an excuse and be like, well, you know, we got it, you know, economics and blah, blah, blah. Well, what do you think happens when we get the CBA? Well, you guys were able to make do with, you know, 75% of your salaries. You know, why do we need to be this high? Maybe we should get a cap. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, and I don't 
fault the players for saying no. I mean, you know, if it was saying, okay, we think we can fit in reasonably in the regular time period with a, you know, maybe an extended spring training or a couple of weeks where you're playing some, you know, warm up games or whatever, you know, we can fit in a hundred games. I'm just throwing that number out there. Then they should get paid their salary divided by 162 for hundred games. That's what I think. That's fair. And I screw the owners if they think yeah. anything else. That's my first. Yeah. Opinion. The thing is, the thing is, I think the underlying problem here is that the owners don't actually care about the number of games. That part doesn't matter. I think they would do a hundred games if the players took like half their salary. Prorated. No, I, I agree with you. I think the owners are only caring about the money. Yeah. The, the actual, the actual moment of games is actually a sideshow to distract everybody from the fact it's like, well, if we can do prorated and get prorated at a discount, then sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can play 150 games if you want. We'll do double headers every day. Why not? Why not? Whatever. Like they don't care <laughs> that part. They don't care about. Yeah, it's just it's it's setting the groundwork to lower the bar on salaries under the current guise of well we gotta get back to playing. Now there's another twist here. Uh, there's an important element to it. Am I making fun of Mike Trout notwithstanding because this was just a beautiful excuse? But regardless, forgetting him, the point is, Rob Manfred can at any time just say, yeah, we're gonna play anyway, and we're gonna play 45 games. So uh, get back to work, guys. He has that. He has that power. He has that ability in this case. So then just do that. Yeah. You want a season so, that badly. Manfred, time to step in and get this thing done. Yeah, but that's the point. Like, the reason they're doing this is not because they can't. This is a situation. Now, I got to figure out the exact details, but I went in and did a little bit of digging. And the fact is, Rob Manfred is perfectly capable of at any time in this case, because I think as part of the deal made earlier about the prorated thing, I believe the players gave him the ability to figure out conditions that were season and for whatever reason they were having some trouble with it. But the point is now Rob Manfred has the nuclear option. He can hit the button at any time. He's got the new, you know, he's got the atomic football right now, so to speak, in the sport. He can go like, all right, I'm just going to put in the launch code. Screw it. All right, you guys are playing 45 games. What? We're doing it. And he can just, he just dictate terms. Hmm. I was not aware of that. But honestly, at this point, if you want to play baseball, I think that's what's going to have to happen. Yes. But the reason why it's a nuclear football day is the second half of what I said. He can dictate terms. And I'm pretty sure that includes the ability to just make a pro rate. Mike Trout, you get 100 bucks. You get to play 50 games, you get 100 bucks. Like, you can just make shit up. So the point is that uh, the reason it's the nuclear option, Dave, is the second you do that, what do you think is going to happen for the CBA? Well, exactly. You just invoke the nuclear option. Well, now the players can go to full-scale war. Now, there is also a real possibility that players have floated because the players, uh, a lot of the more in-tune players, know that this option is available. And some of them are beginning to suspect that the owners are just stalling, trying to make the players look bad, and then they're going to invoke it anyway. And then they'll just push them back with a low, with a small amount of games, whatever. They'll do whatever they want, set up the terms that they feel like, force the players basically to go back to work because the players are not in a legal strike position, so they can't do that. Right. So they'll force them to go back to work. And then the end result will be that some of the players have already basically said... So, again, using the Mike Trout example, players of high profile, not necessarily him specifically, but players of his ilk, some of them have basically said behind the scenes, rumors, of course, but like if if that option is used, they will simply refuse to play. They'll be like, no, you can keep the money. Right. I'll play zero games. You have to pay me zero, but I'm not going to play along with your stupidity. Wow. And, yeah. And some other players who have to play, but who do not make as much money, who are going to need to do it. Part of the uh, the rumor mill for some of the agents that basically said like, guys, if you use that option, you do realize some of the players who have to come in and play, oh, they'll do it, but they'll do a little something that uh, you may be familiar with. It'll be a the sports equivalent of it. What do you think would happen if baseball players decided to play work to rule style? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to pitch well, underhand. No, like, look, we'll, we'll play. It's like, uh, doesn't that guy throw 100? Uh, looks like he's only throwing 75 today. Yeah, 
I mean, right? You're going to go, okay, we'll play baseball, or we're going to do everything we can not to get injured. And, you know, you're gonna, you know what it is? It'll look like people in the Cuban League where they're just showboating all the time on everything because they can. A little bit of that. And I also think that some of the players will be like, yeah, I'm going to – oh, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I got to run out of chopper. What do you? It looks like you're walking. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm running. It's like it literally looks like you're walking. Oh, and uh, they're about to make the play. Oh, and he overthrows it. And the guy walking gets the first base. Yeah. They can basically make a sham of the whole thing. No, absolutely. Good. So it's like uh, it, the, the reason why I think this is kind of interesting is that now you've got the owners playing this game of chicken with the Players Association. And the Players Association are like, guys, if you literally do this, you realize. And this is where it's interesting because, like, technically, the players are going to have to risk destroying the sport in order to beat the owners of this one. Yes. Yeah, because they're gonna basically have to make a farce of it. And anybody who's realistic, anybody who understands the realities of this thing, Major League Baseball, the owners, the commissioner, have been deluding themselves for some time. And um, I'm not going to spend too much more time in this, but let me give you a little thing from perspective, Dave. Let's just think about this. For the sake of argument, let's say the four major sports are the ones we kind of consider the four major, but in the U.S., I don't know if we consider them four major. We got NFL, we got the NBA, we got uh, Major League Baseball, and we got um, the NHL. Right. Right? Okay. Where would you rank, realistically, for most of the sports world in the U.S., where would you rank the NHL? Four. Are they in the top four, or do they fall outside of the top four? Oh, um, probably I would say they actually – I'm not actually sure, like officially, but in terms of most people who are talking, I would say probably they would rank outside of the top four. Yeah, but for the sake of argument, I'll leave them in the top four, okay? Okay. But let's – I think it's fair to say regardless of whether you rank them in the top four or not, I would say if you're going to put them in order, uh, the NHL is fourth. Right. Okay? So fine. Who's first? NFL, obviously. Great. So that makes it easy. Okay, that leaves you two options. Who's second? Probably the NBA. I would say comfortably the NBA. In terms of ratings, in terms of financial drawing power, in terms of all that, the NBA can play without fans because their TV deals are huge. Yeah, and I'm obviously Major it didn't used to be that way, and it, ha- and it has only recently become that way, but definitely the NBA. Yes, but the point I'm trying to make is this. And this is where Major League Baseball is not getting the hint, and that's why I said they're idiots earlier. Major League Baseball still has a lot of money I don't think they have the cachet they think in their heads that they do. I love me, I love baseball, but notice I didn't say I love Major League Baseball. I said I love baseball. Correct. I love intercounty baseball. I even like the KBO. I don't. I'm not going to go as far as to say I love it. It's it's fine. I would if if I was going to choose another alternate major league to see, I would love to see like the Cuban League or the league in Puerto Rico or Mexico. If they could get like coverage there for something like that and they could play games, I'd totally watch that. But as it is, I'll watch the KBO. Sure. Just for the record, I mean this. I know this is a small sample size. I have been to a Cuban League game, and it was sure. one of the worst games of baseball I've ever seen. I think there's something like eleven errors in the game. Yeah, but was it like high level? Was yeah, it was. The, it was league? the top Cuban League. That's disappointing. They should have got Puig in there. I, I hear he needs a job. Maybe he should go back. That's true. But the one thing they do, the one thing that's interesting about Cuban baseball, you give or take, is you have to play for your city. So like ah, that might throw things off. Right. So wherever you come from. I mean, I guess this could have changed since the last time I've really paid attention to Cuban baseball. But wherever you come from, so if you're from Havana, you have to play for one of the two Havana teams. You can't play for anywhere else on the island. Yeah, that would mess up competitive balance big time. I'm sure there's some areas that are probably much better stocked with players. Absolutely. And if you don't get those, you would probably you, you could probably see a pretty shitty baseball game. So I believe it. Okay, so fair enough. The point is that I'm trying to make is that if I have to choose, Korean Baseball League would not be my first choice. The fair fact enough. is they were able to get things together. Um, obviously my first choice internationally would be Japan. Yeah. I think most people's would be too. Yeah. I w- that would be like my second choice. Uh, Mexico definitely has a good league. Like they can totally, they could totally do it if they were able to play games and you get coverage down there. I think that would be just fine. I think that would do well. 
So the point is, you know, Major League Baseball is the biggest known, but they're not the only game in town, even though the other ones are clearly much smaller. The point is, though, if fans like me that are hardcore about the game of baseball are perfectly fine to let you guys, you know, throw the season away, punt it away, you don't realize how weak your overall potential reaches and how close you are to running yourself off a cliff. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't afford to lose any more cachet because to your point from earlier, the NBA was not always a powerhouse. The NBA was playing the NBA Finals on tape delay as recently as the 1980s. They were not the behemoth they were until things happened. Right, and keep in mind, especially in the 1980s, there were a lot of good series and a lot of good games. So it's not like it was the quality. The quality had nothing to do with it. It was just people weren't interested in it enough. Yeah. Right? And I think each year, you know, you find some people lose interest in baseball. And that's partly reflected in what the league's doing in terms of trying to, you know, speed up the game and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And the what it, what it comes down to is that baseball is not a great television sport most of the time. It really isn't. It has its moments. Like, playoff baseball is still fun. It still has the intensity required to make it, to keep the attention. But a regular season baseball game is a struggle. It's a slog to get through at times with the amount of stoppages in play. They go above and beyond the natural ebb and flow that's built into the game's already existing rules. They go beyond that for television, and it actually makes the product worse, not better. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. Yes, which is why it's it's much more fun sometimes to go to you know a AAA game. Yes, but the, but the thing is, the reason why the AAA game works is because they while they may have local TV, they don't specifically cater to the local TV. They right. don't suddenly stop play and stand around, kind of throwing the ball for five minutes, waiting for commercial stand. Right. This is important. It's not that the game cannot be played in a seamless way that'll that'll work. Plus, you can have the standard stoppages in play that are part of the game. When the inning ends, the offense has to run off the field. The defense has to run on the field. That takes a moment. The pitcher can have a couple of throws. But then, let's go. Exactly. Yeah. And the quicker you can do that, the let's go, and spend less time doing the transition, that actually speeds things up. And then, people can hold the attention. Okay, great. And I still get my natural breaks. I can be chatting with somebody. That is still possible. But Major League Baseball doesn't get that if it draws enough interest away, eventually the ratings will fall. Falling ratings eventually means smaller TV deals. It means less money. It's not going to go up. It's going to go down. Yep. I No, I think yep. everything you're saying is bang on here. And the last point I'll make in the same vein, the reason why I, I, I have to think Major League Baseball needs to really consider this is that we put them in number three right now by default. But here's the truth. The NFL is a behemoth at this point. They're a juggernaut. The NBA has the international people in asia love the nba they're huge in the nba freaking run our test is a god in china yeah like yeah. he's not even the dude <laughs> but, he, but still he's well known he's like supremely popular there you know who's super popular in, in asia lebron well lebron to a certain degree but kobe well, oh yeah sorry sorry yes kobe it was huge he was a monster over there and just think about that though like in that so for, as far as international reach the nba is huge as far as like uh, domestic reach in the United States, the NFL is a juggernaut. They weren't always a juggernaut. It wasn't until the late 1950s that they started to take off. The AFL came, start, draw some popularity there, and eventually the merger, the Super Bowl era, and now the Super Bowl is the most watched TV event. They have all that hanging up, hanging their cap on it. Yeah. The NHL has a stronghold in Canada, and teams in the U.S. that have some popularity, but Wayne comes and waxes Wayne. Here's the thing: if the if Major League Baseball plays its cards wrong. They could fall behind the NHL. The NHL could have a stronger base. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's their own damn fault. They got nobody else to blame. Yep. So, so we'll see. I, I, My prediction is that is Manfred ends up pulling the nuclear option and they nuke themselves in the future and they don't realize that this is the beginning of the end if they pull that stuff. Yeah. 
we shall see. I'll be watching one way or the other. I'll be keeping an eye. But that is why I say the MLB and the Players Association are, uh, they're not budging. I don't blame the players on this one. I totally blame it 100% on the owners. And I think the commissioner is making a big mistake. He's making us look back fondly on the era of Bud Zelig. And Bud Zelig was bad. Yeah, I don't, it's just, no. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go back there, Carlos. I don't want to go back. Well, right now at the moment, I would rather go back, Dave. <laughs> like this guy's pulling, this guy's doing such a bad job. I kind of want, at least Bud Zelig screwed up in a way that made sense. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. All right. So next, uh, next on the docket here, let's talk about the NBA and its international reach. Uh, we'll talk about an international intellectual. Tell us about Kyrie Irving, Dave. Hey, so here's my take on this before I get into the actual details. Life imitates art. Art imitates life. So we've talked previously on this podcast about Game of Zones. You were talking about Season 7 and why everyone should watch the final season of Game of Zones. And I agreed with what you said. I ended up going back and watching the whole thing from start to finish. And one of the things that the show does repeatedly is make fun of Kyrie Irving and basically make fun of his, you know, instigator status as someone who screws everything up, who has it out for everybody, who's only it for himself, etc. And he ends up heading this group of people called the Grumpy Boys. Uh, Russell Westbrook is, from, uh, is on there too. Uh, Carla Mello Anthony, I think, is on the Grumpy Boys. Anyway, it's a great na- nickname for a bunch of people. So, and here's the thing. That's the sort of comical take on what's happening. And I don't want to make light of some of the reasoning he's giving because obviously his his points are related to Black Lives Matter, which I think is extremely important. I don't want to make fun of that in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, when I read this, I'm like, of course it's Kyrie Irving. Like, If you're going to pick, okay, which player in the NBA is this going to be? It's going to be Kyrie Irving, right? You mean the greatest malcontent of our time? The GOAT of malcontent? I, I would, I, you know what? I would have to agree with that. I'm not sure if he was... He actually is the goat of malcontents, but in our lifetime, hundred percent. I can't think of who I would pick higher. Yeah, and it, and it's funny because it's you know people are saying, well, once Durant gets back and Brooklyn's going to be you know the best team in the East. I don't think they will be. Although you know to be fair, he did win a championship with LeBron in Cleveland. He was on that team where they came back from a three to one deficit, and then the only NBA team who's ever done that. So I put that out there. However, so there was a conference call on Friday that had at least 80 players on it, all right? Including the NBA uh, Players Association president, which is kind of interesting for the NBA, whereas a lot of leagues, it's, you know, just some figure, it's not a, maybe it's an ex-player who's the head of the Players Association. For the NBA, it's actually someone who's playing. It's Chris Paul, as well as, <laughs> funny enough, Carl Anthony was on there as well. Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant. So these are some of the people who are on the call. And basically Kyrie's saying, I don't support going to Orlando. Uh, I'm not, this is a quote, I'm not with the systemic racism and the bullshit. Something smells a little fishy. Whether we want to admit to it or not, we are targeted as black men every day we wake up. Now, it doesn't elaborate on that. But he also touched on the disparity between the salaries of the league's top-tier superstars and those of the rest of the players. There's only 20 guys actually getting paid, and I'm part of that, Irving said. Let's not pretend there's a tiered system uh, purposely to divide us all, or purposely to divide us all. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. So so quick, quick thing. I, I want you to continue. Quick thing. Okay. There are supposedly 20 of us getting paid, and I'm one of them. Correct. Yes, but in the NBA, it's it's really only the bottom-rung guys who, quote-unquote, don't get paid, like the borderline G League player. There's a bunch of, like, mid-level exception and whatever guys in the NBA who get paid bank. Yeah. The NBA no. is really top-heavy, like, in salary. Like, obviously, the big guys, the LeBrons, you know, the Kyrie Irvings, the uh, uh, Kevin Durants and all that, they get the super, 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 duper, duper, duper money. 
Yeah. But um, now these quotes are are attributed, you know, attributed to him based on some reporters, right? There's no recording of the call that's been released where these quotes have been coming from. Okay. Agreed. But I could totally see Kyrie Irving making this statement. (laughs) Of course you can. Please continue. And but then you know Mitchell Donovan Mitchell the Jazz tweeted later stop it early on Saturday morning so like early this morning responding to the notion he's considering sitting out the games in Atlanta but then I read something else that said Irving's like well obviously if you do play the games I'm gonna play the games I just don't think we should play the games and it's like dude you're gonna play the games so just shut up like part of it is is him thinking you know they shouldn't play and and now granted there are a lot of people not necessarily naming anyone here but there's quite a few people who have expressed reservations about returning to sport, not just in the NBA because of COVID-19 and the restrictions are going to have to be in place and, you know, not seeing their families and being in a bubble in Orlando and things like that. Right. Which are all legitimate, I think, and, and fair to think that none of what Kyrie Irving has said has anything to do with that. It's a lot to the effect of there's a lot of momentum and some changes has already started in terms of, you know, city councils and police forces and, and laws are getting passed in terms of what police can do and what they can't do, uh, possibly reforming police forces because of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the momentum that, that that movement has right now. And Kyrie Irving is saying, well, I don't want to take away from that, which is fair. I, I, I mean, I get his point. I think you can do just as much to, to keep that going by playing basketball. I no, need- no, Dave, you're absolutely wrong. I need to stop you right there. Kyrie Irving cannot possibly do anything more to help the movement than by not playing. Just Kyrie Irving should not play. Everyone else can play. Kyrie Irving does not need to play. Fair enough. I'll give you that point. Right? You know what I mean? Because, for example, like LeBron James has has started a nonprofit that deals with voting rights and voter suppression, uh, you know, against African-American voters in the States. 100% 100% true, but I, but like I said, Dave. No, but hold on. But I'm, but I'm saying is he's going to get the, like that press is going to go to LeBron James, whether he's playing or not, because he's LeBron James. So I think this actually true. argues your point, right? Is yes, yes. Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is a problem. So if you want attention, just stop talking to the movement. Yeah, but, right? uh, but I'm also saying that the LeBron example you gave is an example that LeBron James has somehow managed to figure out somehow. He's managed to figure out the concept that, yeah, Brunchers can play and also make a nonprofit and also help build schools, which is an action which could potentially, down the road here, move the ball forward, actually, while playing. Yes. He can do, which in other words, uh, LeBron James can uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. Correct. But, but, but LeBron James is also not a malcontent who has, you know, not repeatedly screwed his team over multiple times and had to move on from two franchises because of that. Right now, LeBron James has been has played on three NBA franchises in in four stints, right? Because he was in Cleveland twice. And yes. Kyrie Irving, I think he's only pl- he's played in three and he's basically been run out of town in two of them because people don't like him or and and, and he didn't help the team, right? Like Boston, I don't think he could have left fast enough for Boston. So Which is why I'm trying to make very clear, Dave, the only way Kyrie Irving can help this entire movement is for Kyrie Irving not to play. He needs to go home and meditate. For the next five years. Maybe do it in Tibet. Yeah, I, okay. I'm okay with that. Brooklyn you know? Nets, NBA champions. As soon as he leaves, Brooklyn but, Nets, NBA champions. But also, for, for the record, right? So, obviously, Kyrie Irving has some skill as a basketball player. As an individual player, he obviously has some skill. He's in the top tier of NBA players. I'm not going to argue that. But it's also he's also injured, right? So, how much he would actually play in Orlando anyway 
has been in doubt. I mean, if the if the playoffs had started on time, because we'd be basically done the NBA Finals probably now, if if everything had gone according to schedule. The most likely scenario to happen was that the Brooklyn Nets met the Toronto Raptors in round one, and the Toronto Raptors win because Brooklyn doesn't have Kyrie or Kevin Durant. Now Kevin Durant has said he's not coming back. Like so, he when they go if when they go to Orlando in July, he's not playing. Uh, and I had heard sort of the same thing with Kyrie Irving, but now it sort of stands like he is maybe thinking of playing because he's always like, I'm going to play if we play, but I don't think we should play. Well, but you already agreed to, you know, the, the players have already agreed that this is going to happen. So shouldn't you maybe voice this before you agreed to go play? Well, first of all, in Kyrie Irving's defense, not all the players voted on it. The player representatives. Sure. And the, Fair enough. And the, no. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. And but, that, uh, is a, that is an important distinction. Yes. Yeah. And a related note in breaking news, the Brooklyn Nets also think Kyrie Irving should take a stand and not play. Yeah. Just, oh, I don't know. Right? And it's, Kyrie Irving is the, I, yeah, I'm going to give it to you, man. He's the GOAT malcontent. And, yeah. and he always finds a way to sort of get into these conversations where, here's the thing. One second. One second. Okay. One second. One second. All I was going to say that I thought was very amusing is that at the beginning of the conversation, we were like, ah, maybe he is, but you know, maybe in our lifetime. And then by the time you explain the story, it's like, who else would stage a coup against his own players to be like, we shouldn't play? It's like, why is it you who are the one who causes trouble everywhere you go and teams get better when you leave is the one who's trying to lead the charge and not play? Yeah, but but here, here's the other thing. And, I, and the more I think of it, and the more I think of specific NBA players, so for example... Right. Last week, Kyle Lowry, he went to Philadelphia and he attended a, a, a protest. Right. Sure. Along yeah. with a couple of uh, Tobias Harris, I think was one of the other NBA players. And I can't remember who the third one was, but, there, you know, it was all over Instagram and, you know, it was on his Instagram, it was on the Raptors Instagram. And then obviously a lot of people who follow the Raptors, it was on their Instagram. It was everywhere. Right. I don't know how you can really make a legitimate argument that your impact is going to be lessened by playing basketball when you know, you're going to be on TV more. You're going to be being interviewed after the games. There's probably going to be press conferences. There's going to be more stories. So yeah, you're in a bubble and you can't, you know, go, you can't leave to go attend a protest in Philadelphia, you know, once this thing, once July hits or the end of July, right? Fair enough. I'll get you that point. But I think as an overall thing, you're still going to be able to do your social media thing. And I think in, in any large matter, you're probably going to have more media exposure by actually playing basketball than you would by sitting it out, right? Because, you know, let's say he doesn't play. Let's say he's like, and the league saying, basically, if you don't want to play, we're, we're not going to fine you or anything, but you're, we're not going to pay you. So if, if you choose not to play, that's fine, but we're not going to give you your salary. Okay. However. Which is basically the prorated model. Well, like literally you're not playing. Yeah. So fine. That's all good. But the thing is, okay, yeah, it's going to be a story at the beginning. So, you know, Brooklyn plays and maybe once Brooklyn, you know, is in a series in the playoffs, that'll be an issue. But then when Brooklyn's no longer in the playoffs, because they're not winning the NBA championship, no matter what, no one's going to care about Kyrie Irving or Kyrie Irving have to, has to really say anything because the focus is going to be other people. You know, there's going to be plenty of airtime for those issues with or without Kyrie Irving. Totally with you, Dave. But can I, can I say that I think we're overthinking this? And can I offer an alternative take on this? Please do. Okay. So do you remember that meme? where it's got that guy that I I don't think it is, but it looks like LeVar Burton. It's the meme where you've got the black guy pointing at his head. Yes. And then the, Yes, I know yeah, what you mean. You, you know what I'm referring to. So now imagine that meme, and then imagine this. You can't fail in the playoffs and not meet your expectations as a quote-unquote top player if you don't even play 
and the league doesn't either. Also true. <laughs> so I think this is a manner of 4D chess worthy of Tom Dundon that the best way to avoid being seen as a playoff loser when you got on a team by yourself is, is to find a legitimate reason not to play. And if he doesn't play by himself, well, then no one will care. But if he gets the entire league not to play, then he can totally come back next year with Kevin Durant, and then it'll be fine. All right. Fair enough. I'll give you that. 4D chess, Dave. 4D chess. All right. Also, I do think that uh, I think it would be a wise strategy for the Brooklyn Nets to encourage him in this endeavor. In fact, and Adam Silver should personally call him and go, you know what? I appreciate your stance, and I think you should take it. It's like, so the other players aren't going to play? No, everybody else is going to play. You you can stay home, though. Yeah, fair enough. It's cool, man. Right. Hell, you know what? We'll pay you. Stay home. And there it is, people. The GOAT malcontent Kyrie Irving. It's so good. Oh, by the way, uh, even though I say it tongue-in-cheek, wouldn't that be like so Kyrie Irving if that was literally his plan? Oh, totally. What if I shutter the season for the, team, for the entire league and then no one will know that by myself I can't win shit with this team? Yeah. All right, Carl. No one has to know. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to our final topic, right? The special Carlos topic. So actually, Dave, one more thing before we uh, take off to the next topic. I actually was uh, so uh, enthralled and so amused by my 4D chess Kyrie Irving theory that I almost forgot that I actually had a legitimate suggestion (laughs) for once. So can I offer a legitimate suggestion for the NBA and the people who even subscribe to the Kyrie Irving theory? Fair enough. Go ahead. All right, here's a a real suggestion, a real one. Uh, If you're going to go in, you're going to go in the bubble. All your points were valid, but... Let me take what you were mentioning earlier a step further. What about a simple thing? If you're legitimately concerned about trying to get your message out and you're worried that in the bubble you won't be able to, which to your point, yes, you've got the internet and social media and all that. What if you, as Kyrie Irving, in the bubble, presumably, you are going to play the games, you're going to be shuttled in and out of uh, hotels and stuff, but you're basically going to be inside of this clustered area. You're not going to be able to go outside. and But at the same time, there's less stuff to do, so you're going to have presumably more time on your hands, right? Right. So in between practicing and working out and doing all that, you're going to have more time, right? Yes. What if you were to use that time, say, productively? What if you did a live stream every single day talking about topics and doing things, getting people with your social media following, getting LeBron to retweet you and doing all that, getting people to watch, and you can convey your message to the world every single day if you want to? Yes. See? And if you say anything meaningful, then the news will pick it up. Correct. Yes. You can do that from your hotel room. Fair enough. Get really fast Wi-Fi. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's called the internet. Exactly. It's called the internet, guys. He could have his own freaking podcast, okay? He can do it a hundred different ways and get his message out there every single day if he wants to. Absolutely, he could. Yeah, so just saying, guys, everyone, there are ways if you want to convey a message, if you want to get your word out to people. He's got one thing that a lot of people don't have, which is a platform, as much as he's batshit crazy. There is a platform there, which means you could use your platform to be like, hey, going to do a podcast where we're going to talk about some actually meaningful shit. Watch it, listen to it, share it. Yeah. 100%. And it might work. I'm just saying. So there you go. I actually gave a practical solution. You're all welcome. All right, Carlos. Let's have it, buddy. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I have been waiting and looking forward to this today because as soon as I got the email, I received the word, Fight Island is on! Now, you, you, you still have voice? You have, does, is that actually what it said? Did, like, the, did the email yell to you like that? That's how I interpreted it. All right, that's fair. I think you should. I mean, the, I would have if I got that email. The first four words were, Fight Island is on. On in capitals. Exclamation point. What else do you really need after reading that too, right? It's, I really don't. Uh, so anyway, apparently the uh, Fight Island, I'm, I'm not going to do the stream every time. So I already did it and I had to back away from the microphone. And now when I go back to the recording, I don't know if I'm even going to be, if that's even going to be audible. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it though. I got, I got it right. And I got all four words in. Yes. And 
you we are looking forward to this well i'm kind of i'm only looking forward to it because of the concept of it but you are looking forward to it oh i am so anyway a couple of points do you know anything about sp- the specifics now that has been announced that it's actually going to happen and i'm going to talk about i read something things. about it this happening in the middle east yes so it's happening in abu dhabi because of course it is it's got to be abu dhabi but my personal favorite part is it's happening on as i shall forever call it yas island which is you know a great name. It's what the kids say, man. I, I, I can't fight it. It says Yas in the neighboring island of Queens. The kids will get that one. I got it too. But the point is that like, so they're going to have four events that they're advertising for this. First being on July 11th, one day before my birthday, early birthday present Dana White. Thank you. Another fight ha- card happening on July 15th, another one on 18th, another one on 25th. Four days of fight island, Dave. Four days of fight island in the island of Yas. <laughs> Oh, I, you know what? I, I wish I was more excited about this, but this was just, it's not quite what I was hoping for with Fight Island. But, you know, I guess it's better than nothing. Is my enthusiasm not rubbing off on you, Dave? Is it not enough that it's in the island of Yas? Nah, not, not, not yet, no. It, it may yet get there. I mean, let's see. Let's have the conversation. Because remember, the beginning of last conversation, I was not all about him being the malcontent goat. And now I am. So Yeah, by the time you finished explaining your own thing, you're like, wait a minute. There's... Yeah, I <laughs> said, bigger I conv- I, you didn't even need to convince me. I convinced myself. Yeah, I just let you keep talking until you're like, so literally, who is a bigger malcontent? So true. So true. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right. So if that wasn't enough, Dave, don't worry. We'll make you a, we'll make you a believer. All right. Let's you know why it. we're going to make you a believer? We've got the island of Yas in Abu Dhabi, because of course it is, around the time of our collective birthdays, my God, and they've got merch, Dave. They've got Fight Island merch, and some of it is really neon in 1980s looking. Even better. Dude. Now, my favorite part about this, I really don't need to explain the Fight Island thing. If you don't know about it anymore, just Google UFC Fight Island. Like, I... I'm not going to explain it again. The fact is, I have a, yell, a primal yell that I can do on the podcast whenever I refer to it. And I'm only going to do it once per podcast because I don't blow up my throat. This is fair. This is my commitment to you that I will do it to the best of my ability. But it is time now, Dave, to have some fun. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to pull this up and I'm going to share with you a link to our friends. Let's look at some merch. So this is uh, from the UFC store and it's directly pertaining to Fight Island. It should take you straight to the Fight Island merch. Okay. And we need to have a discussion on some merch. All right, let's do it. All right, so you got the link there. Let me know when you got it opened up. I have it open. So there's a bunch of stuff here, a bunch of different shirts and stuff, usual thing, blah, blah, blah. So one of them is like a cartoon one. It's the Utah Ultimate comic one. That's that's fine. It's neat and everything. It's A lot of them have like an island theme, of course, obviously. But if you go down to the second row of them on the far right, you got UFC Fight Island within a suns- what's called a sunset t-shirt. Yeah, so basically very- the, the Miami Vice take on Flight Island, you mean? Yes. I do like that t-shirt. I'm just saying. Like, Dana White has learned nothing else is that if any excuse is a good excuse to do merch. Now scroll down a little bit more. I do also like the 8-bit Choose a Fighter one as well. That's that a good one too, role. yep. All right. If you scroll down further, there's hats. You got some trucker hats and stuff. And some of them are very island festive. Yes, very much so. Lots of neon going on. And of course, you can buy a UFC Fight Island three-pack Face coverings, even though Dana White doesn't believe in it. <laughs> it's just he will absurd. still sell you Fight Island masks. Yeah, of course it will. Anything to make a buck for Dana White. Dana White, of course. And then we got a Fight Island flying disc, also known as a Frisbee. Is, is that is that copyrighted? Like, fris- is Frisbee copyrighted? I, I'm guessing it is, because otherwise, what are you going to call a flying disc? Everybody yeah. knows it's a Frisbee. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a trademark. I, I can tell you. We can have the Fight Island koozie, Dave. Fight Island koozie. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then we got our Fight Island coffee mug. I don't know, Dave. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a nice mug. I'm really looking hard. I feel like the Fight Island mug would be like the perfect complement to my XFL mug. Probably. It's like a nice pairing of, Carlos, why do you have a mug on that crazy shit? Because this is what I do. <laughs> Oh. If I had been a kid in the if I had been a kid in the eighties, I would have had a USFL mug. I would have had XFL one mug. Yes, you would have. I would have had an Al Gore two thousand president mug. I pick all the winners. Yes, that would be okay. Yeah, man. Uh yeah, the merch is a winner here. I'm not sure how much a Fight Island on itself will be. Here's my thing. It it invokes to me the Caribbean, right? When you say Fight Island, for whatever reason. You know, obviously there okay. are islands all over the world, but for some reason... I was about to say, like, as long as there's water and land in the middle, it's an island. Correct. Yeah. Uh, also, okay. I could you could make an argument for South Pacific in my brain. But for some reason, Middle East island or even like a North America, you know, if it was an island in the United States, just no. But there was that cool scene from that Fast and Furious movie uh, where Wanda Rousey kick some people's asses and i believe that was in either abu dhabi or dubai dubai so which was in the united arab emirates so there's that connection well i was also going to say dave we have to remember something very important which is up until this point and at the moment i'm not prepared to make the argument it's too soon i'm not prepared whereas Kyrie irving is the goat of malcontents to me unquestioned goat of malcontents the goat all time of crazy quasi legal uh, carny shit right now the goat is vince mcmahon but right now, nipping at his heels, like Wayne Gretzky chasing down Gordie Howe's scoring records, is Dana White with quasi-legal carny shit. All right, fair enough. I'll give you that. And, and if you're going to be the goat of quasi-legal carny shit, where do you go? Abu freaking Dhabi in the island of Yas. Also a fair point. All of that seems to be on brand for me. All those places you're talking about, the Caribbean and blah, blah, blah. No, far too legit, Dave. We need to go to Abu Dhabi. Is there some crime we can commit? Can we do money laundering while we're doing Fight Island? Yes, we can. You, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Correct. You go to a place where there are no laws. What happened? A man was murdered outside and thrown outside. Why? Abu Dhabi. Yeah, fair enough. So it seems to me like Abu Dhabi is the perfect place to have Fight Island. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll give it Come to you. Come on. And it's so close to your birthday too, which is a nice gift for you as well. D Dave, this whole thing is the comedic gift that literally keeps on giving and comes with fucking merch. <laughs> Holy shit, it comes with merch. I'm trying right now to restrain myself, Dave. Don't, don't. I'm... Screw screw Project 2020, Carlos. No, settle down. Settle down, Fuch Fuchi. Okay, fair down. enough, fair enough. Okay, you brought me back. You brought me back to your alley. Fair enough. I was like, listen, I'm willing to go on crazy, on absolutely crazy tirades, Dave. I will say a lot of questionable crazy shit here. We will have no Fuji slander on this podcast. Fair enough. I'm I'm sorry. You brought me back to reality, Carlos. Fair enough. I do think yes. you should be purchasing some merch, though. It's the right thing to do. I, I, I'm seriously considering. I, I was saying, I, ha I had to hold myself back, though. I was about to go full Packers Super Bowl 45 on this shit. <laughs> Like, I was like, I want the fight on his shirt. I want the fight on his stupid looking hat. I'll give the stupid looking hat to my dad. I want the mug. I want the flying disc. Not really. I don't really want the flying disc. But there's some other shit in there that I would buy. So much stupid shit there. <laughs> it's got merch. In the island of Yas. Just don't go on drunk or, or when you're really, really lacking sleep. <laughs> I'm literally lacking sleep for 35 years. <laughs> Uh, he's gonna back the so truck up to your front door yeah i was gonna be like dudes bros oh my goodness it's like if i order everything do i get free shipping yeah i was gonna i was i was gonna say like no i i, I think that's a valid question it's like 
I, I should literally be like, can I have Dana White's personal number? Why? It's like, so here's the thing, Dana. As patron saint, I'm not giving you a go yet, patron saint of quasi-legal, you know, carny shit, if I just buy a bunch of this shit, even shit I don't even want, can I have free shipping? <laughs> Who cares about anything else? I just want the free shipping. I order as much yeah, as like, I have to get to get free shipping. Uh, bro, Carlos, you're literally buying $2,000 worth of stuff you don't want on top of the stuff you quasi-want. Yeah, I'm willing to do it if I get free shipping. But Dave, if I buy $2,000 worth of stuff and get free shipping, it's better than if I had bought 50 bucks worth of stuff and paid $3,000 in shipping. This is this is true. This is true. Yeah, and it's, at least look at the upside. The the potential uh, it, it literally writes itself. It's like, what happened? Carlos, did you literally buy all that shit? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, what are you going to do? So I'm going to be like Oprah, but it's going to be like, you get a $5 shirt. You get a $5 mug. Kazoo, you get a flying disc. <laughs> Who doesn't want the flying disc? Like, let's be real. No, he'll probably get a broken flying disc. I won't even give him. A, I wouldn't even give him an intact. Wow, one. you man. can glue it back together. The man is having a kid in August. Give him a break. That that's a bad thing, not a good thing. Good lord, we don't need more of that. Let the, let the kid let the kid break the disc. Let him get a real disc. That's good not God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I would, <laughs> like I said, that'll be the new way I define it. I was prepared to go with full Packers Super Bowl Forty Five on this thing. It's fair. I, I bought so much swag, Dave. I know so you did. I know swag. you did. That's why you know. I thought so I went crazy with the Saints Super Bowl, but oh no. Well, you know, when you have a legitimate championship to celebrate, you gotta have, you know. Oh, stuff. Carlos. <laughs> the opening was so good. It was beautiful. I do it. You set yourself you. up for that one, and you know it. I, of course, I did. Anyway, honestly, this is such a rare. This thing is so 2020 in the sense that who would have predicted this kind of crazy shit? Yeah. And of course, it has to be legitimately near my birthday. I'm like, I, I'm I'm going to have to look at what the situation is. I may actually have to buy some of this Fight Island shit. At least a shirt or something. And the mug, most likely. Yeah, I feel this is fair. I think you need to get your dad. Like, if you're going to get the hat, though, you, you need to get the Island Paradise snapback. Oh, yes. No, no, no. We're going. We're getting, we're getting the thing. We're, we're getting the proper hat. Don't lie to me, Dave. You you want to be part of the three-pack face coverings? You're going to have your Fight Island face coverings. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. If you get that, I'll, I'll wear one, okay? But anyway, uh, so now everybody knows. It's like, guys, uh, apparently Fight Island's a thing. Really? A thing? I question many things is all I'm saying. Oh, my God. They got an oversized beach towel. Holy shit. <laughs> Good it's, God. It is literally the gift that keeps on giving for you, Carlos. There's so much comedy. My goodness. The inflatable beach ball feels like a bit much, but they really are going with this island thing. They're not even playing around. Yeah, there's there's lots you can go with there. That's for sure. And none of it, I don't think any of it is really a bad a bad idea or a bad option. No, no. The, here, look, here's the thing. Again, the whole point of being, you know, a, a front runner to be one day, you're going to have to do a lot of work right now. Vince McMahon has about 40 years of practice. So you're going to have to really put in your time. That's why the Gordie Howe uh, slash Wayne Gretzky thing plays. Because right now, Dana White's hitting on all cylinders and kind of uh, quasi-legal carny shit. He's hitting on all cylinders. But because Vince is slowing down in his old age, although he did he did have bribes in order to get you know stuff in Florida. So like he's still got a couple of things in his bag of tricks. Yeah. But like true. I said, quasi-legal carny shit, Vince McMahon's still the GOAT. But Dana White is making a strong case for one day taking the title. Yeah, I, that's fair. I'll give you that. Like, let's say, hey, you can have this while Fight Island's actually happening, and then it will revert to Vince McMahon. Yeah, I don't know, though. I feel like if Fight Island works out, he could, like, make it into a long-term thing. It's like, yeah, is there any other, like, shady places I could put on fights? Yeah, what's, like, the shadiest place? Sure. Tell me where in Colombia the cartel runs. But why? Yeah, so true. It's all good, Dave. It's all good. I like it. I like it. 
Yeah. Other than that, there really isn't any quote-unquote news. Obviously, we've got the name of the island, we've got the dates, and I gave everybody those. And now we know there's merch, so live the dream, everybody. UFC.com, knock yourself out. Or UFCstore.com. Do we really need anything out? Like, do we actually need Fight Island to happen? Like, can we just have, like, okay, you know what? We're going to have two random people fight on an island, but who cares? Because now we have the name, we know what's happening, and we have merch. I kind of need at least one of these events to happen, Dave. They got to get through at least one, all and right. then disaster can befall them. But if they get to the July 11th, I'm like, all right, I, I, I need this for my entertainment. All right, I'll give you that. Yeah, because I would love to see what like, um, like the front bumper is. Um, if they end up having actual commercials, what if they have like a marketing blitz? Like, obviously, I got the email directing me to the swag, so we got that. But what about like legitimate advertisements? Like, I'd like to see what exactly they end up coming up with. It's like, yeah, you're going to put this on an island theme? I'd like to see this now. Yeah. So that's really all I wanted to say about it. I wanted to have some fun. I wanted to enjoy swag. I wanted to coin the term going full Packer Super Bowl 45. is now official part of the podcast lexicon. Now when I say it, you all know what it means. I think we've done some good work here, Dave. We have given the people what they want. The people needed me hyping up Yas Island. Can I get on the Yas <laughs> Tourism Bureau? I would like to know if this is even uh, a man-occupied I'm, I'm sure island. If there is, is this I'm, just like I'm a sure random dead island that has like seagulls on it or something? Who knows, man? Go. Well, I mean, from the looks You're of the research map. Yas hold on, island? hold on, Carlos. Okay, ready for it? What am I looking for right now, Carlos? A pier? Yes, Carlos. Yes, I'm looking for a pier. And do they have a pier? Unlike the quasi-legal, shady, underhanded New Orleans? Ah, uh, it does not look like it. Like I said, Dave. Until New Orleans presents me with, I need the. New Orleans Tourism Bureau to personally give me a presentation. I want to see a dedication ceremony to the pier. I don't care where they fucking put it. They can stick it in the middle of the street for all I care. Yes. Yas Island has more than one pier, Carlos. Dave, do you understand how concerning it is that Yas Island, which I had never heard of until this point, has a fucking pier? Oh. What is New Orleans' excuse? <laughs> like, what is the actual excuse? Hey, you know what? Maybe if someone actually listens to this podcast that uh, they'll get one. This, should, this is embarrassing, Dave. Are you sure we can't bring back, like, the Vikings? Not the Minnesota ones, the real ones. Can't we bring back the Vikings to, like, razz the city or something? Who knows, man? Who knows? Like, where's Genghis Khan when you need it? We need these people conquered. Why? No pier. Like barbarians at the gate? We need this, Dave. This place has got to be brought down. we got to restart. This is not right. Uh, but at least, you know what? You know it's going to be a success, Fight Island, now, because, you know, there's a pier. So... It's golden, man. It's golden. So are you saying, Dave, that now, in the spirit of future quasi-legal carny shit, much like Vince McMahon, once upon a time, in 1984, began WrestleMania, are you saying that the new centerpiece of the USC fight calendar is going to be... One more time. Get ready for it. Fight Island! I think I am, Carlos. I think I am. A new annual extravaganza. They could make it into a fight festival. They could. So much illegality, Dave. Are you ready for Fight Island 7? I am. Let's I was so on. excited, I think I dropped a battery pack. That's okay. Whatever you drop. As long as you're, you know what, you're excited, Carlos. With good reason. I like to pretend that my, Dave, and the thing is, Dave's known me a long time. I genuinely have enthusiasm for almost nothing. <laughs> this is also true. I think most things in life suck. And life sucks and then you die. But I got Fight Island, so I'm good. There you go. Brilliant. I think it's a good place to end it. So that's it for us. You can check out future podcasts and more discussion on Fight Island. Probably, maybe we'll see. But you can see more of that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out archived versions of the episodes, the cartoon versions of our faces. i got to see if the automated thing is working or not. But that'll be on YouTube. 
and you can find it on the Necessary Nonsense podcast. That is it. We need time now to, bu to buy the Jackie Robinson Project 2020 card. We need now time to buy Yas Island, Fight Island, merch, merch, and more merch. Get ready for Dave to be sporting all the neon things. Every single one of them. All of them, Dave. You may have to wear them all at the same time. And you know who's not getting any? Kazoo and his kid. Nada. Nothing. Not even the broken flying disc. That's it for us. We'll catch you in the next episode of the Necessary Nonsense Podcast.